Good evening. Goodbye forever. Volume 2 by Natchang Rinpoche. Chapter 27, Part 2. There was a face I gradually recognised in the Nostril Cafe as I looked for a free table. Jack Hackman. Jack, I began. Is that you? Jumping Jack Flashman, he grinned with unbridled glee. Man of the moment. Flashman? Yeah, mate, changed me name, didn't I? Long story, though, lest you're not up for it. I'm up for it, jumping Jack, I replied with much more enthusiasm than I felt. Testify, brother. Good for you, my man. Then, theatrically, I was born in a crossfire hurricane. He laughed somewhat manically. But before I tell you the amazing tale, I suppose you're not Farquhar Arbuthnot now either. I shook my head. So what moniker do you rejoice under these days, me old China? What a question. Who was I? Only moniker I ever know, Jack, I said in a southern drawl. Was harmonica, you know, blues harp. Then, back to my normal speaking voice, I continued, But as to names, that's all a bit in the air. So what's that mean, then? I took my seat while speaking out the John Lennon line. The dream is over, what can I say? The dream is over yesterday. I was Vic Simerson, but now he's gone. Well, he may be gone, but he still takes liberties with lyrics as much as he ever did. Yeah, Jack, I sighed, still do. But what I mean is that I didn't, I don't believe in a lot of things anymore. That was the purport of John Lennon's song, you know. He sings, I don't believe in Beatles, but he ends, I just believe in me. Thing is, Jack, I don't think I believe in me either. Bloody hell, that's a bit depressing, if you don't mind me saying. No, not at all, I don't mind, I grinned. You see, it might sound depressing, but it's more surreal than anything. Life's just become mysterious and the future has no shape that I recognise. Jack shook his head in a mixture of amusement and faint derision, and moved his hand in a way that I recognised as a prompt for me to continue. Oh, right, I laughed. My name, I never said. That's right, Jack laughed, turning his eyes heavenward. You never said, so out with it then. It's still officially Vic, but I'm not the man of the moment or anything like that. That's what I don't believe anymore, or maybe it doesn't believe in me. You what? Well, it seems I was a fictional character and reality got wise to it. Jack was obviously not understanding a word I was saying and I found myself wishing I hadn't opened up a useless bag of sincere yet incoherent blatheration. I was not usually so oblique in conversation but the juxtaposition of life scenarios had created an ambience of heightened surrealism and I was vaguely dissimilating. 
I'd never dropped acid, but I imagined that this is how an acid trip might have felt. I'd been at Sammy Ling in Scotland with Gyalua Karmapa back in the spring, and it had been such a powerful experience that it felt as if I'd only left that environment yesterday. And now I was here in the Nostril Cafe with Jumping Jack Flashman, trying to explain my life. Who was I to explain my life? I had no fixed idea what my life was and only an attenuated sense of where it might be going. Victor Simerson's what's on my passport and driving licence, but these days Vic's fading fast. Soon he'll be gone forever. So, Jack asked with slight exasperation, who's replacing him? Chugyam. The name that seemed so normal at Sammy Ling suddenly sounded exotic and I couldn't decide whether I should have used it or not. Cobham? Jack responded with a look of incredulity. Like uh, like the village up the road where Savage Cabbage played that time? No, I grinned. Good try, Jack. It's Chugyam. Chugyam. It's a Tibetan name. I got that name when I took robes out in Nepal in 1971. I took ordination in a Tibetan Buddhist non-celibate order and I'm just about to leave for the Himalayas again in a few days. Jesus, mate, Jack chuckled. Bloody Nora, I mean, never took you for a Ari Krishna. No, Jack, I laughed, nothing even remotely similar. No need to be alarmed. I'm not going to try to sell you an album by unknown musicians or anything. You know, like they do. Name-dropping George Harrison as if he played on the album. I suppose I shouldn't really have told you something like that out of the blue, but my life is a little strange at the moment. Transitional. I'm halfway between this and that, and it's hard to know what to say. Sorry, yeah, mate, I suppose I was a bit flip. You better tell me what it's all about, Jack replied, trying to look as if he was sincerely interested. I think I'd rather not bore you with the details, Jack. I completely understand your reaction. I've seen a lot of loony stuff connected with the East. I'm more or less the same as I ever was, so I'm not going to preach at you or tell you a bunch of stuff from the astral plane or something. I've just grown a bit tired of everything that I was, or rather, what I was trying to be. You're not saying, Jack interrupted my flow, you wouldn't like to be back with Savage Cabbage again. Got me there, Jack, you got me there, I chuckled with mild melancholia. Yes, I would, I really would. There have been many times when I'd have liked nothing better than to turn the clock back. To have Steve and Ron back. To be playing blues again together. And having the future stretching out like the goddamn miracle it could have been. Or should have been. A Buddhist has to do something to make a living and Savage Cabbage would have been ideal. I think, when I was on stage with Savage Cabbage, that I was doing something that I can do, 
perhaps better than an art school lecturer. So art school wasn't good. Jack looked puzzled and made a movement with his head to betoken the need for further information. So I gave it. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy art school. It was brilliant. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. But in terms of feeling this is me, I'm right where I belong. I think that was more me back then out there on stage with you lot than most other places I've been, apart from the Himalayas, of course. Yeah, we were bloody great, Jack hooted, ignoring my reference to the Himalayas. Gotta admit it, haven't you? Bloody great. Yeah, Jack, I agreed. We were great. What else could I say? Ron and Steve were great and we, we were lucky to have played blues with them. Those may have been the best days of our lives, you know. A sense of loss stole over me all over again, as if Ron and Steve had died five days ago rather than five years. Yeah, well, Jack looked at me a little strangely. I'm hoping to have some more of them days. So Jack Bruce just teamed up with Buddy Guy and they've asked you to be their drummer? Wouldn't say no to that, Jack laughed. But no, nothing like that. My mind was now full of Ron and Steve and the ancient past. Ron had been a rare musical prodigy who made most other guitarists dim in comparison. Steve, although he wasn't in Ron's league of unqualified genius, had been a world-class bassist. I waited, peering incredulously at Jack, for what wonders were going to tumble forth. To be honest, that time was a mixed thing for me. Savage Cabbage was bloody brilliant, but I had my poxy parents and sodding synth in the background, and I hated school. For Ron and Steve, schoolwork was a doddle. They got straight A's in everything without bleeding effort. And all you did was write bloody poetry and paint weird pictures. Well, I did have history and sociology in the first year sixth. Yeah, all right, but I was never any good at any of that. I was never interested in how many wives Henry the bloody eighth had. So school was just endless memorisation of pointless bleeding information. I can see that. I guess I was pretty free. I only had art and English in the second year six, so life was much better for me. Yeah, suppose there was Lindy, though. That couldn't have been much fun, nearly being lynched by her sodding upper-class parents. True enough, Jack. It took me a while to get over that. Quite a long while. I thought you said you had a whole of a time at, well, at art school. I did, but Lindy never really faded from view. You never had another girlfriend, Jack almost squawked. Never got your leg over. I had other relationships, Jack, but none of them worked out. And it wasn't because those ladies weren't Lindy. I only realised they weren't Lindy when the relationships concluded. Then it just became obvious. No one ever matched up to Lindy in the end. I didn't start out judging them as to how much like Lindy they were, or I don't think I did. But by the end, it always stared me in the face. So it's Lindy or nothing, 
Jack asked with a look of incredulity. No, Jack, I chuckled mirthlessly. I'm not quite the incurable romantic you always made me out to be. I'm not looking to meet up with Lindy again, just someone like her. Even if I bumped into Lindy this afternoon, she'd still have her middle-upper-middle-class parents. I've come to the conclusion that sometimes you have to leave the past in the past. Yeah, mate, too bloody right. My parents can stay in the friggin' past and so can sodding synthetic Cynthia. Nice alliteration, Jack. Yeah, well, you should know. I know that's what you three always called her. Synthetic Cynthia. Should have listened, shouldn't I? Should have been more determined, you know, like I was on that day when I went wild on me drums. Yeah, Jack, now that was a good session. You really showed us how far you'd come that day. That was the day after you quit Cynthia, wasn't it? Jack nodded. I mean, you didn't say so, but we all knew. And we all felt glad for you, I beamed. Yeah, knew that. Knew you all knew. But then, but then Ron and Steve died, didn't they? Jack wiped a tear from his eye. And then, and then I just lost me fucking nerve. Jack looked round warily to see whether any of the staff had heard him swear. They threw people out of the nostril for swearing. The odd bloody was permissible, but the F word was strictly prohibited. I lost me nerve. Don't blame you, Jack. I wasn't in a good state after that, but I had art school ahead of me and you didn't. Yeah, and I had the fuck... He held back on the world. Midland Bank. Midland Bank. Midland, they called it. Should have been Barclays, because it was full of them. Can you imagine it? Getting up every day to work for eight hours under the beady eye of Cynthia's fuck... fat-gutted father. Yeah, well, I can imagine. Sounds pretty ghastly. Yeah, and every day I just sat there dreaming I was back with Savage Cabbage, living a real life, rather than rather than eking out me bloody days in a sodding mortuary full of rotting robots. All they'd talk about was what was on the telly the night before or what new stupid thing they bought to stick in the garden. Jack assumed a farcical expression, imitating an employee of Midland Bank. Oh, how lovely. You have a lovely new gnome. We have a new gnome too. We've put it in the gazebo. What colour hat does your gnome have? Does it match the others? Does it contrast with the others in your pergola? And how are your potted aspidistras? Yeah, I laughed. I think I'd rather hobo. I'd rather live under some viaduct than have that kind of job. It's the same for me. I got some glimpse of possibility with Savage Cabbage and I must admit that it has haunted me periodically. Yeah, we were at the fuck glory station just about to board the gravy train. For life, for life, me old China. Money galore, groupies galore. Maseratis, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, 
Fancy French friggin' restaurants, villa in the south of France, swimming in the med and everything else. Well, not quite what I meant, but yeah, all that would have been there. Although I'm not a big fan of the high life, but what interested me mainly, apart from a reasonably decent car and house, was being creative. The money was nothing in itself. Not that money is not useful, but it was what it would have given me in terms of access to creative people. Like? Jack inquired. Like Muddy Waters, Jack Bruce, John Lennon, Bob Dylan, Salvador Dali even. Being able to meet them? Yes, but more than that, what I was wanting was to be able to get Bob Dylan on the telephone and say... Hey, Bob, I've been looking through my poetry and thought we could get together on a collaboration. Then he'd reply, Yeah, come over and we'll throw it round. The stuff you sent me looked real interesting. And then he'd make something great out of it and have Savage Cabbage as his backing band on one album, maybe with me joining him on the vocals. Bigger bloody dream than I ever had, Jack laughed. You always had your sights set very high, didn't you? Yeah, but why not? You have to set your sights somewhere and Ron and Steve were world-class musicians, so it was all possible as far as I could see. You do remember that Ron played his first piano recital at the age of four or something. Yeah, sighed Jack. Chance in a million playing with them. But seriously... You wouldn't be up for the groupies? No, Jack, I laughed. I'm kind of old-fashioned like that. I just want a good relationship with a lady who will be, be my best friend. Oh, yeah, I remember. You only had eyes for Lindy. No interest in slipping one under the pussy palmet on tour. Pussy palmet? That was such a bizarre idea. Jack's vocabulary was so alien from the way I regarded romance, so remote in terms of what ladies were in my vision of reality. For me, ladies, even before I came to see them as Kandro, were people with personalities. The fact that Jack could abstract them into sexual ciphers heightened my sense of distance from whatever the normal world appeared to be. Was this the normal world? Was Jack perfectly acceptable in the average flow of life? It was not that I was offended in particular. I was never political about my views. I was simply bewildered. And in that bewilderment, I realised I was a foreigner. I was no longer English and I was looking in from the outside as a culturally estranged spectator of a mindset so alien to my own that I had no idea how to respond. I remembered the words of Dudjan Rimshay. With each life circumstance, whatever is enacted, stare directly into the enactment with all the senses. <laughs>